Today's podcast is a podcast mic takeover featuring Sanjeev, who's a student at a Target school, but not yet interviewing. Sanjeev was asking some of the common questions, like, if I'm not interviewing immediately, what should I still be doing now? How do I know that consulting is right for me? And what are some of the specific focus areas I should think about when I begin to prep? The conversation was exciting, and he's a great interviewer. I hope that you enjoy. I'm really excited today to have Sanjeev with me. Sanjeev is going to tell a little bit about his background, and then he's going to wrestle the mic away and do a podcast mic takeover. So Sanjeev, why don't you give us a little bit of a background on who you are and what the general gist of the questions are that you're asking right now at this point in your career, and then we'll dive into the rest of the conversation. Yeah, of course. And again, thank you so much for having me on the show today. I really do appreciate the opportunity to speak here. Um, so as you mentioned, my name is Sanjeev. Uh, I'm currently a second year at the University of Virginia. Uh, I'm right now studying economics, but hopefully we'll apply to the McIntyre School of Commerce. Fingers crossed, of course. Um, and right now, uh, coming into UVA, I think that my mentality with business uh, was just you know investment banking, finance, going into something like that, because that's all I ever knew. Uh, but after my first year talking with upperclassmen, professors, uh, alumni, I saw that there was a lot more in depth, the different routes and different career paths I could pursue. And one thing that really stood out for me was consulting, mainly from the aspect of working in teams and groups, getting to critically think about different problems from different angles, working in different industries. All of that was just very appealing to me. Uh, and so right now I have a rough idea of where I want to go into, but I have so many more questions about, you know, what consulting life is really like, uh, the, what are the different career paths where people kind of go. Um, so thankfully I'm really early on and I was a second year and so graduation's a ways away, but I'm, I'm really excited to learn a lot more about, uh, the field in itself. That's awesome. So Sanjeev, I have a question for you. One of the things that I think is helpful to understand when you're thinking about the key issues and and, and the um, big questions is, what is a second year? You, you said second year. Translate for the rest of us that are not in the UVA community. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Yeah, I think this, it's really funny uh, that UVA has its own language. You know, we don't say on campus, we say on grounds. And we don't say, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, we say, you know, first, second, third, fourth year. Um, so right now, uh, I'm almost halfway through my undergraduate experience. And so now is the time for me to start thinking about, you know, recruiting for either third year internships or junior internships, junior summer internships, and then going on to my fourth or senior year uh, for full time recruiting, then hopefully into a career in consulting. So just as a piece of context so that you know it, I want you to know that I did not recruit while I was at UVA, but afterwards. So you're like four-ish years ahead of where I was when I was thinking about this process, which is admirable and exciting. So I'm excited to dive into your questions. Go for it whenever you're ready. Yeah, of course. Um, so obviously, as I mentioned before, as a college student, I've been talking with a lot of people about uh, the life as a uh, as a consultant and what's it, what's it all about the pros and cons and a lot of people are saying that uh, consulting is you know a really sexy career you know you get to travel across the world you get to meet new people and you get compensated very great, greatly for it so it's it's uh, the best of every world in a sense it sounds like a great job um, but I don't necessarily hear about a lot of the downfalls of like what uh, the other opposite ex spectrum of consulting is and so I just want to know if the reality of, of being a consultant and the career of consulting is the same as my initial expectations or what people always talk about. Yeah. So all of those sexy things are true, but they be, I would say that they're like, uh, 
I don't know if you've taken economics classes, you probably have at UVA, but one of yeah. the first things that you learn in economics classes, especially in Elzinga's class, is the law of diminishing marginal utility, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, the law of diminishing marginal utility says that every incremental thing that you have matters less to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's generally true in consulting for many people. I never actually hit my breaking point where I said, I don't want to travel anymore. But for many people, they're like, a little travel is great. A lot of travel is not as great. And a ton of travel mm -hmm. is terrible. Right. And so there, th that kind of law of diminishing marginal utility, I think, really holds true in the fanciness. Um, when you could get every meal expensed, when you come from a, a college student budget like I had um, to getting every meal expensed, it feels really glorious. But at some point, you don't need every meal expensed. You don't actually need to have somebody else pay for everything. You just want to do what you want to do with a little bit more freedom. So uh, one of the things that I want to highlight is that what people talk about are what they feel like are these tangible benefits that are maybe incrementally really different from what you have right now. Um, and, and, and the world will be back to some travel. It might be different than it was before. But by the time you're in this moment, I, I really do believe that that will be true. Uh, so so travel is great. And you you have, you know, what, the things that you do have in consulting is that you have the ability to stay at nice places. Um, you have the ability to fly with, you know, an airline that you choose kind of regardless of price. So you have a lot of choice that gives you some of those additional benefits. Uh, I just think that it's important to note that at some point you think Paris and you get Pascagoula. And that was actually an exact <laughs> situation for me, right? You know, uh, mm -hmm. there isn't a Ritz-Carlton in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Um, there is not even a Marriott, actually. And so like a Hampton Inn is the nicest place that you'll stay. And so, you know, while you could, if you were in Philadelphia, stay at the Ritz, there you're at the Hampton Inn. So again, there's this, this um, gap sometimes between, I think, what expectations are and what reality are. Uh, it's not untrue. You're still traveling, but you might not be traveling the same way that you thought. To answer the second part of your questions, uh, which is the downsides, right? What are what are the downsides that are related to it? Um, I actually, I want to start by cheating. I need to answer a different question, which is that I think that the things that you've heard are not the true upsides of consulting. Um, I think there are two that nobody mentioned. One is that you have access to halls of power that no other career can give you. Uh, and so if you're in investment banking, you're too far down to have that access. It's not as flat of an organization. You're not as close to the story and you don't get invited to the meetings uh, that are happening. If you are in a, um, you know, in a, in a career where you're in a larger organization, like a Home Depot or something like that, to kind of reference somebody in Atlanta, uh, same thing, right? You know, you do not have access to anybody who has actual power inside the organization. Um, I had a friend who worked for Home Depot after UVA, and he bought patio furniture. And no, the CEO never came to his desk, right? It wasn't something that he had access to. And so I think at the ripe old age of 21 or 22, however old you'll be when you graduate, um, to have the access to that power is is unparalleled. There is nowhere else in the world that you get that. And the things that you learn from having access to power are, I think, the most important 
learnings and take takeaways, right? What people focus on, what questions they ask, what questions they don't ask, who they value, who they place around them, how they handle their time. Uh, so there were just really a ton of learnings from having access to that power and the ability to shape the, the size of a company that you ride on the back of uh, the reputation of the firm in order to get access to that. And, and the second one is actually is the training, is the rigorous training. Uh, I was a good student at UVA. I was, I lived on the lawn. I wanted big award when I graduated. Uh, I, I had all of those fancy things, but um, I, I, am, I am a like top percentage of the one percenters in terms of my career. And I am not that way because of any raw intelligence. My time at UVA would show that. I was like, I was, you know, slightly above average maybe. Um, but but that exception came from the training that I received at, at, at Bain. And so it's something that you only bank on, you only start withdrawing from it when you leave, but the ability to gain the experience to tackle a problem faster, smarter, with differential ability versus other people in a lot of different realms of life makes a major difference after you leave consulting. So I just wanted to make sure I highlight those two things because um, the, I think the fancy things are like super secondary. Uh, and the, the those incremental, um, things that, that really make a difference are important. Uh, the downsides. Uh, some of the work that you do is, it, most of the work that you do is unglorious in absolutely every definition of it. You are going line by line through Excel to clean up crappy data at two in the morning. And you sit there and you think, why am I doing this? I thought I was coming here <laughs> to sit in a boardroom and change the world, which is now 10% of my life. And the 90% is grueling. It's long hours. It's very like deep in the data and you mess up a lot, especially in your first year. So not only do you get to do it, but you get to redo it. And sometimes you get to redo it a third time. And that, that process of, um, of having no right answer in the world, like you have in academia, um, but having to make these major incremental gains and improvements uh, is really is really hard. Um, and there were a lot of times when I just lost all faith and hope. When I was in consulting, I was like, I don't wanna do this. And actually um, there was a, a guy on one of my teams who had been a Harvard MBA grad. Uh, before that, he was a fighter pilot for the uh, the US Army. And so he, and he was a fighter pilot trainer. So he was like, not just a pilot, but he was also like a really highly respected um, pilot. And he was like, I used to do things that were life and death. And now I'm talking to fat tourists at Disney. Like that's, <laughs> that's my job, you know, is to mm -hmm. go like quiz people about their experience at Disney or at Universal. Like this is terrible, right? You know, it, like the, the weightiness of what I'm doing just doesn't feel like it matters in the same way. And so I think, I think sometimes um, there's no incentive for the consulting firms to tell you that your life might be terrible on a given Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Um, so I think Think that there are like parts of that 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 are really unshared that are important to know as well it's a unfortunately it's a part of the process it's a part of what you'll have to manage other people to do someday it's not really something that you can skip but it is really not fun when you're going through it yeah no and i think that's something that i never 
It's something, I guess the only thing I can relate it with is with the college admissions process. Because when I was applying to these colleges, it all felt like it was always these pros. Like, oh, we have the most beautiful campus. We have all the best organizations. But they never talk about the hours that you're spending in the library, just staying up till 4 a.m. <laughs> studying for the exams continuously. And like, no one ever talks about that. But yeah. it makes a lot of sense seeing that in that context. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if uh, that, that made me think of one other thing that probably is important to note. One of the things that you get in consulting is a radical amount of feedback. And they talk about these words, professional development, right? Professional development. It's like this magic thing, like you are going to be this incredible human. And and they're not wrong. But you know how you get that is through a lot of people telling you that you're terrible over and over and over again. Um, and they t like my first review at Bain was you did 16 things wrong and one thing right. So they're never like you did 17 wow. things wrong unless they're going to fire you. But it, and, and basically <laughs> and, and then the next time your goal is to get like 14 wrong only, you know, mm -hmm. and then, right. And so um, so that amount of transparent negative feedback, which is constructive and important, mm -hmm. um, is is also I think like you can I look back on it and I think that was the most important development time of my career. It's true. I professionally developed sitting in every single review meeting wasn't really my favorite part of my life. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think also just recognizing you have to kind of steal yourself emotionally for some of the challenges of, of growth. Got you. Yeah, no, and I think that's that kind of goes into my uh, another question that I have is okay. just like when people talk about uh, like right now kind of going into consulting. Yeah. Uh, like the goal for me is just to get that spot, you know, to just to get into that firm, to get started there, <laughs> right? But uh, I know like long term I'll be thinking about, you know, my growth in the firm, you know, like how I want to be moving up, the different projects we're working on, and maybe moving from, you know, associate to maybe manager, director, all the way to maybe like a partner of the firm. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was just wondering... Um, I, that's that's an area that's kind of unknown to me. Like, I don't really know a lot about, you know, what it means to kind of move up in a firm or what sure. the different positions or what it means. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So most consulting firms have four levels and they're sub-leveled, but really the four levels do something different. Um, and so it, it's helpful to maybe just start there. Uh, the mm -hmm. first thing is that uh, there's a pre-MBA analyst and a post-MBA analyst. They effectively do the same job um, and a, a second year um, analyst pre-MBA at Bain is considered to be more valuable than a first year MBA analyst. Um, so, you know, the, the training that the firm gives you kind of surpasses what you would get at a at a larger organization. Um, but the, the function is, is primarily the same. There's just two different entry points. Uh, and so there's that analyst function and, and that's handled for, you know, if you started as an undergrad, it would be two to three years before business school and or direct promotion and then another two to three years after business school, right? So four to six years, you're going to have an aggregate as a time as an analyst if you begin. Um, then the next level up from there, so level three, um, if those were levels one and two, level three is the role of a manager. The manager's job is to manage the team, manage the client, and manage the partners. So I think the managers have the hardest job in the firm, but the ratio of managers needed is only about one to four or even one to eight if the managers are managing one or two projects. So there is this kind of narrowing that happens naturally inside the firm to get there. And then um, partners are the seller the salespeople inside the firm, their primary job is to generate new business and then to deliver on that business. And so they have, a, again, the ratio is they should be able to have four or so managers working for them at any given time. And so there's this attrition uh, as you move up through the firm. In consulting firms, there's natural attrition. 
right? And usually it's what I would call positive attrition, which means that people don't leave because they're fired or because they hate it, but rather because there's some kind of um, dream in their heart that they get to go pursue working with an organization that they've always loved, getting paid more money than they were even making and consulting, even though it was highly paid. There's like another bump somewhere else, uh, moving to a city that they really loved, right? It's some, it's some kind of like for them, excellent choice that's an alternative to consulting. And that happens at every level from the analyst level all the way up to the partner level. Um, and uh, and so a lot of that positive attrition actually just makes the natural room for people to move up. But there is some um, evaluation that happens at those leaps of who can make the move to the next level. And there are actually just two things that are required for that. The first is that you over-delivered in your first job, the job that you are currently in, right? So level one, you over-delivered there. Um, that's one of the questions of moving to level two. So under-delivering in level one, but being a high potential for level two doesn't really happen inside consulting. Mm -hmm. um, the Got second you. thing is that you have to be able to think beyond your current role to the role of the next person. So you have to have demonstrated um, a um, you know a different kind of maturity or a different kind of balance or a different kind of planning um, as you're moving up into different levels a different kind of relationship skill right and so um, so the the combination of do you have the one thing that you really need in the next role plus all of the greatness from your old role is, is the second filter that you have to go through and um, the the good news is that the firms have a very massive incentive to keep you. You are a weapon for them that has been developed and honed and invested in. You're an expensive tool from their standpoint. And so keeping you deployed is way better than losing you. And they provide an immense amount of support to make those leaps. Got you. And th that's something that I've also heard in terms of uh, like going to like, for example, like getting an MBA. I've heard a lot yep. of firms will pay for their uh, for their analysts to go get an MBA and stuff. Correct. So then they're investing even more so they would stay with the firm as yeah. they're like, like you like a weapon yeah. for a future. Oh, yeah. Well, you, yeah. And you have you have an earn out when you do the mm -hmm. the MBA. So it's two to four years, depending on the firm uh, that you have to go back and you're ba basically getting your debt forgiven. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that that is a decision that you would have to make if you want to go through that and um and it's an important decision to make but yeah it's it's kind of an amazing opportunity for if you're interested in that but it, it does represent the fact that they expect you to be worth more to the firm mm -hmm. when they come back the investment is worth something to them yeah no of course and it, it also gets me thinking because i'm also thinking about long term going into either getting an mba uh but i'm also thinking about maybe doing a dual degree to mm -hmm. get a jd mba or some some to that extent and uh and it got me thinking if i did want to pursue a career in consulting past my graduate uh mm -hmm. graduate programs and kind of pursuing that um I'm assuming, obviously, I could assume that the firms would make, or would want to pay for maybe my MBA portion, but not the JD portion. Or if I did get my law, my law degree, what uh, the applications, potential applications in, in consulting, a lot of that's just unknown for me. So I was wondering yeah. if I could get just a bit more insight yeah. into how that would fit in that picture. So again, without representing any individual firm, I can tell you how they think about that in general. The MBA mm -hmm. is considered incredibly valuable, as would be another kind of advanced degree. Sometimes it's not only an MBA, but um, firms will sponsor like an MPA. Um, or an mm -hmm. MPH, a, a, or a, um, you know, right, so a master's in public affairs and master's in public 
health, um, a, um, you know, a kind of like, uh, I, would, I would call it a more advanced specialized masters, right? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of the purpose of doing that is, is, is um, that you develop networks in those educational programs. A lot of the, the payoff for them is that those networks later uh, pay off and um, also they get happy and, you know, employees that have developed that come back. Mm -hmm. So there, there are a lot of uh, a lot of reasons, but I would say the the networking is a big piece of it. One of the challenges for JDs um, and for MDs is that the networks are not usually quite as strong as they mm -hmm. are at an MBA program. Um, the work is not as team oriented. Um, yeah. And and so I, I think you'll find that most um, firms would say, great, you want to go get a JD MBA? That sounds like a lot of hard work that you're probably never going to use one of them for. Either you're going to practice law or you're going to, um, you know, or, or you're, you're going to like utilize your MBA. Um, their view on hiring JD MBAs is different. So they actually hire JD MBAs in as um, as a post MBA analysts um, when they go through it, but they don't they don't pay for it in that case, right? So got you. Mm -hmm. That would be a, that would be another route to think about if you want to do both of them. Uh, I would say that most people view law as something to exit and business as something to enter later on. Um, and mm -hmm. we we have um, very few people that are like, I'm not using my MBA. We have a lot of people that say, I'm not using my JDR. I want to stop using it. So mm -hmm. again, from the firm's perspective, I think they would be asking why you're, you know, why the JPMBA. Um, the mm -hmm. only exception to that is probably McKinsey. McKinsey is a little bit more uh, liberal and generous about their definition of what advanced degrees can and should look like. And if that became something really important to you, that would probably be the place most likely to sponsor it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Because I was thinking um, just the, the sheer skills and the, the knowledge and the foundation that you would get from a law degree, I think would be very good as well as the the, uh, the soft skills that you can get from MBA. I yeah. thought both of those kind of complement each other. And so I thought getting a dual degree, spending the time to focus on it would be very beneficial. Uh, You're just trying to spend to more time from. in Charlottesville. I know you. Oh, yeah. No, you got to love it, you know. You get another four years at UVA might as well. You know? Totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and law and, yeah, darted. The, I mean, of course. This is yeah, no, two do. amazing programs. Like, might as yeah. well, you know. <laughs> it, it would be it would be worth the category of exploring. But, um, if, you're, if it's something you're thinking about, I wouldn't only look at consulting now, though. I would look mm -hmm. at thinking about going directly into your JD. Um, and and or going earlier because you'll find that a lot of your law classmates are going to skew younger. So I think having a max of one to two years at a consulting firm would be mm -hmm. fine. But you might also just be like, hey, let's just go for it. And then let me pay it back by getting the jobs that I want afterwards. Anyhow. Got you. Okay. No, that's definitely something I'll think about because as of right now, I was thinking about maybe going into consulting for maybe one or two years after, like you mentioned, and then yep. going into get the JD MBA. But um, I'll definitely think about like going straight out of undergrad. But yeah. cool. Yeah. All 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 options would be good. So going straight, going to consulting and getting sponsored, and then going to consulting and just leaving and then making a decision there would all work. <laughs> for sure. For sure. We'll be right back after this quick message. One of the biggest challenges with interview preparation for consulting is knowing what you don't know. And the best way to figure that out is to work with an expert coach. You can work with someone on our team for just one session where they can give you ideas for where you can build your prep, or you can work with them for eight or more sessions to make sure that you're 100% ready for interview day. Check it out at managementconsulted.com. 
I do have one last question to kind of wrap up uh, our conversation. Um, but I, obviously, as we mentioned before, I'm I'm very young in the process. Like we're mm-hmm. talking, you know, dual degrees. We're talking about all that. But that's you know, like a good eight years down the line. Like it's, totally, it's definitely far down there. Uh, and so looking at where I am right now, uh, one thing that I'm trying to do is trying to maximize my time. I'm trying to ensure that I'm learning as much as I can. I'm establishing the right foundations. So from your experience, uh, wh- what do you think would be the best things for me to do as a sophomore moving forward uh, before recruiting uh, or even during recruiting kind of to set myself up for uh, a, a great position, whether it be at MBB or some other great firm uh, in consulting? So Sanjeev, run me through your the things that would be on your resume right now or the things that you're planning to put on your resume if you already know them. I don't know if you have any plans for next summer already or for the winter, um, but what kinds of work experiences and what kinds of uh, leadership or activity roles have you held? Give me the top two for each of those categories. Yeah, of course. Um, so I guess in terms of work experience, uh, I've been, I'm a part of the Virginia Venture Fund at UVA, which is an undergraduate private equity VC firm uh, that kind of helps us learn a lot more about the space. And so I've been working with uh, a VC firm, Dallas Capital, as an analyst, kind of doing due diligence, researching different startups and looking into different industries for them. I've done that for, I think, two, uh, like a full year now. Um, And in addition to that, Upcoming for this winter, I got accepted into this externship program at a, a boutique management consulting firm in Richmond, uh, Curtis Process Consulting. And so I'll be spending a week there getting to work with different clients that they have and getting to get more hands-on experience in um, the type of process consulting they do. Uh, and then recently I got accepted into PNG's Emerging Standout Leaders Program. So I believe that's a three-day program over the summer where I get to learn a lot more about um, I get to learn a lot more about their business as well as the supply chain and kind of understanding how a lot of that works. Um, and then more specifically into my leadership abilities and uh, stuff that I do on grounds because I'm, I'm really active on grounds and I love everything about UVA. Um, I'm a part of the Asian Student Union at UVA uh, as the, currently the vice president. And so a lot of what we do is advocating for uh, different Asian American issues and getting to talk about a lot of that, whether it's colorism or whether it's uh, voting, especially in the upcoming election. And so hosting a lot of events like that and bringing in the Asian American community together. Uh, additionally, I founded uh, a co-ed Bollywood fusion dance team at UVA uh, because that was definitely a passion of mine since high school. And so as the captain, I'll be able to bring that back uh, and get to dance with a team and get to compete on a national circuit uh, to that extent. So I get to bring that along with me as well. Okay, awesome. Uh, so I think that you are doing a really good job in terms of the experience side, the the skill building. You're going to mm-hmm. want to have to be a, a shoe in, I would say, for the internship process, some kind of brand name on your resume mm-hmm. for next summer. And, and the PNG Emerging Leaders is amazing. But I would say that if you have a friend or a family friend, if you're able to not work but do a one month project, um, for an organization that that is a little deeper, that gets into that, like, oh, Sanjeev did something gnarly that he didn't like, that kind of checks that box for a large organization and was able to make a clear recommendation, that would be, that, that that's what you're looking for. Uh, it's often easiest to find those unpaid, to structure them yourself. So to let somebody know, like you've done with Dallas Capital, I'd love to size the market for this area for you. I'd love to take a look at this operational issue, or I'd love to model this thing out. Things that you may or may not know a ton about how to do. 
but that the process of figuring out how to do in kind of a independent way could be really helpful. Uh, and so I would say that this is your summer to call in favors from friends and family and neighbors and anybody that you've met who might give you the opportunity to learn that working process. And if you're able to get that, uh, you know, on the books, I think that you'll be in really good stead there because you have the fun with the with Bollywood, you have the elected leadership, which is non paid and non graded, but requires something of you something that you've stepped up for you have the skills that you've been learning in other places. So you're covering a lot of those bases. But um, it, w there's just this eternal chicken and egg issue that sophomores and uh, second years at UVA run into, mm -hmm. which is, right, I don't have experience, so how do I get experience? I don't, I can't get experience if I don't have experience. And so mm -hmm. just, uh, just trying to break that bubble this year and demonstrating that you've done analytical style work, that you've worked in spreadsheets, that you've come up with numbers, that you've delivered a presentation, uh, those kinds of things would be really helpful. And, and, um, and really the firms count brand name work in a different way than they do other places for better or for Got worse. Got you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think currently right now I'm still in the process of doing uh, interviews for hopefully a good summer internship to something to that extent. Come so hopefully on. one of those pulled through. But no, I totally understand. Like definitely reaching out to, you know, family, friends, stuff like that to see if something for this summer, kind of maximizing yeah. um, that time. Yeah, we have an article called How to Create Your Own Internship, too, that could be helpful for you because I, one of the things that you can never underestimate is how little bandwidth people have to, right? You, you, what, what it feels like from someone from the outside's perspective is that free work is easy and free work is actually hard. Um, it's hard to conceptualize. It takes some time out of my calendar. I have to think about, do I need to run this by legal or other things? So the more uh, of a program you can come with and say, hey, I've got one month. I can do this for you. I need a growth-oriented problem where I can have access to public data that you don't need to give me, right? Like the more definition that you can put around some of the things that you are offering, the better shape you might be in. Awesome. Yeah. And is there anything uh, specific that this problem should be kind of oriented to? Or is it just anything in terms of uh, uh, doing analysis, working with, you know, Excel, kind of managing data and doing that deliverable, as you mentioned? Yeah. Growth oriented is often easiest when we run up. We have a program called Strategy Sprint, where you work with a MBB consultant, a, a McKinsey Banner BCG consultant for a week on an actual live project. And we always ask our companies for something growth oriented, how to get more mm -hmm. customers or how to grow their pricing or how to you know develop more revenue because most of the work on that can be developed externally. When you have to get operations data, sometimes you run through lots of legal drama and loopholes. As an outsider, you have to sign NDAs and you have to have data integrity and you have to like, you know, right, just all of the the things that have to happen really slow down the process. So external information where you need none of their internal data can be super helpful. Got you. Okay. Yeah. No, that's definitely great advice. It's not something that I never really, uh, really consciously thought about. I haven't really thought about, you know, like what to, because I think, you know, I've been thinking a lot more about, you know, for recruiting and everything. And I totally forgot that this summer is a huge, huge amount of time where I can do something to get that experience going. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, you don't have to necessarily lock your whole summer in with that mm -hmm. kind of experience. Uh, sometimes if you're, especially if you're self-sourcing it, a four-week experience could be great. But that's all, that's what you're trying to do. You're just, you're climbing up the, the ladder to mm -hmm. jump over um, other people's experience. So you start out with more experience and that, that advantage gives you a lot going forward.
Got you. Okay. Yeah. No. Thank you so much. Uh, I think a, a lot of that's kind of helped me put things into perspective more, especially with the career,、uh, but also、uh, looking at more short term about like how I can start going about this, what I'm doing right, what I can kind of frame it with.、Um, but yeah. Sanjeev, I have one other question for you. I, I know that、yeah. you are from Atlanta, so、mm-hmm. uh, do you have an office selection priority when you're thinking about your offices at this stage in the game? Yeah. So、uh, anytime I get that question, whether it be、uh, when I sign up for any of the info sessions, they always ask, you know, like, what is your office preference, like down the line.、Uh, my number one is always Atlanta, because I think、uh, even though I going to you know UVA, people always ask where, where I'm from. But if I say Johns Creek, Georgia, no one's going to know what that means, like at all. So I have to stick with Atlanta.、Um, but going downtown often, it just it, the the feeling of. Uh, being in a city where there's so much culture and so much life, and、uh, it just feels more homeless.、So、I think working in Atlanta would be an amazing opportunity for me.、Um, but going from there, I think number two, I usually pick、uh, Washington D.C. because I think、uh, that office, just being close to Charlottesville, I've been to D.C. a couple of times, and、uh, I really like the environment there.、Uh, it's definitely a lot different than、uh, something in Atlanta, but I think、uh, it would be something great for me. And then usually the third option would be the Boston office. So something. And that kind of spectrum, definitely on the East Coast, you know, more of that kind of, more of that kind of personality. Hey,、but. the West Coast is the best coast, but you'll figure that out later in life. You'll, <laughs> you'll get there、uh, uh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, here, here's our. I, I think here's the key, right? Is,、mm-hmm. um, is that I think.、Um, When you're thinking about an office, thinking about the city is only a piece of it. So what I like about what you said is, I think that that's the way that a lot of people think. They think, "Hey, like Atlanta is a great city. I want to work in Atlanta."、Mm-hmm. And I, I really want to just emphasize that there may be reasons to consider offices outside of your core city preference that are related not to life but to work reasons. And I'll, I'll just give you an example from how I decided for Bain. So at, at Bain, I had the privilege of being able to pick between New York, Boston, and Atlanta. After I received my offer, so my offer wasn't conditional on a specific、mm-hmm. office, and then I actually、um, was able to attend two cell weekends for Bain, which I I would not recommend because it、mm-hmm. didn't consolidate my political capital, and it made Bain unsure if I was just trying to game the system. So it, it's not something that I would say that it would be a, a play for most people.、Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what I learned from it. When I went to the Boston office, I was in a Cell weekend of about sixty people. It was half of the cell weekend that they were doing in Boston, and we met a like representative this person and a representative that person,、um, mm-hmm. and and、um, you know they walked us around and they were like, "This is one of the two hundred places that you could sit in. This is one of the." And you got the sense that you were a part of like a global org that was really incredible, and、uh, and it was in, you know it was in Boston, and Boston is an amazing city, and there were just so many things that were super cool about that. Uh, when I went to the Atlanta office, I was struck by something super different. One of the pieces of the cell weekend was actually going to a partner's home.、Uh, we met every single one of the partners in that meeting, and we actually had a lot more visibility to senior leadership when we were there. And、uh, and so it,、uh, the Atlanta office at the time was about a third of the size of the Boston office. It's grown since then, but it's still smaller. And、uh, but what I heard people talk about when we asked the same questions about their life and their work and and why they came to Bain and you know what all those issues were, I just heard different kinds of answers that were more 
longevity focused. And so what I ended up deciding on when I moved to Atlanta was that I wanted to have a great variety of the work that I did. I felt like I could get that more than in Boston. And I ended up doing 11 projects in just under three years, which was pretty high. A lot of my colleagues in Boston did about two a year. And so I I had a lot more exposure because of the smaller nature of the office. I also had lunch or breakfast with every single partner in the office a couple of times during my tenure. That was pretty remarkable. And there were a lot of partners in Boston that nobody ever saw or knew. They were mm-hmm. there, you know, they were they were like uh they were kind of the famous people that nobody talked to actually in mm-hmm. meetings or nobody was really ever on their team. Uh and and so I that that just a flatness led for me to a feeling of um, a community that was different and also to work experience that was actually different too. And that ended up being for me incredibly valuable. So, um, mm-hmm. just, you know, just really trying to understand the, not just the city differences, but the office differences related to um, the, the longevity of the partners, the access that you have to different people, the rotations that you might be on, the typical types of projects. Um, you, you will have to ask really smart questions to get there, but hopefully that will give you not just um, the the one view, but a, a more multidimensional view that might help you make better choices as well. Yeah. One final thing yeah. that I just want to say about offices, though, is that when it comes to McKinsey, Bain, and BCG, you cannot go wrong. You can go literally mm-hmm. anywhere in the world, and you should go for it. So mm-hmm. just so that you know that's something that is okay, and, and you'll Got be okay you. regardless of where you go. Yeah, no, no, of course. Yeah, I think it's always interesting when they ask about location, because for me, I always think everyone says the same things about, oh, you know, Chicago's a great city, the Windy City for a reason, you know, like, or I want to say West Coast, but I never thought about the uh, the details that you can provide and when it comes to work. So I think that's definitely something that I'll definitely do a little more research and look, look more into that and ask those smart questions. But Good. really appreciate all of the insight with everything. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for taking over the mic. You asked great questions. I hope they're helpful to both you and to a lot of people and really appreciate your time today. Thanks again for joining. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or taking over our mic and asking questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us, team at managementconsulted.com. In addition, if you're interested in becoming a consultant, either getting a job in a consulting firm or becoming a professional consultant, we would love to know more about you. If you, again, reach out to us by email, that's the best way to find us. And if you want to find other great information, including past episodes of this podcast and more, you can find all of that at managementconsulted.com.